0: In the beginning was the word, and the word was God. Through him all things were made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Well, special welcome to everyone. I agree with Robin, it's amazing to stand and look out and see our church back together on Sunday mornings and our 5.30 service, uh, getting back to normal, it's amazing. Love to you all and uh, love to you if you're watching online, Uh, we love the fact that there's various ways that we can do church today, amen? Jesus is healer. Uh, that is not the one that I need (laughs) I might be going solo without the help of the good old Bible verse on the screen thing so I'm just going to have to go by heart, right? So we can take that one off. If it's not on the green stick as the right one, it won't be there. I'll keep going. Uh, I need to tell you that Jesus actually healed a lot of people. So... I'm going from John 9 and you can do some preparation to help me because I might be calling somebody, all right? So don't be looking at me because I'll pick you to come up and read a passage that's like acres long. Um, But you're all good at it, so it won't matter who I pick, okay? There are 102 Bible verses about healing in the Bible. 41 of them are related to Jesus actually healing people. Today's focus is in John chapter 9. We'll start our reading from verse 1. Jesus is healer and we meet a blind man who gets healed and we hear from his parents and there's a massive interaction with the Pharisees of the day. So open up John 9. I want to read quite a chunk of this because we need to see the whole story and get acquainted with the context to understand uh, the kind of background thing and the importance of the healing, absolutely, but the importance of what's kind of going on in the passage. So, Jesus is the healer. John 9, verse 1. As he, Jesus, went along, he saw a blind man from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And in verse 3, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. And as long as it's day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. In verse 6, after saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam, it means scent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbours and those who'd formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? And some claimed that he was and others said, oh no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. In verse 10, how then were your eyes opened, they asked. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and then I could see. Where is this man, they asked him. I don't know, the blind, once blind man said. And then in verse 13, they brought to the Pharisees the man who'd been blind. And now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was the Sabbath. Therefore, the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. Well, he put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and and I washed and now I can see. So the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, How can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. Uh, We're up to 17, verse 17. Then they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, He's a prophet. They still did not believe that he'd been blind. And had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. In verse 19, is is this your son? They asked. Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that now he can see? In verse 20, they respond, This is the guy's parents. And they say, We know he is our son, and we know he was born blind. But how can he see? Or who opened his eyes? We don't know. Ask him. Well, he's of age, so you ask him. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders, who already had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. That was why his parents said, He's of age, you ask him. A second time they summoned the man who'd been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner. So in verse 25, he responds, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. The one thing that I know is that I was blind, but now I can see. Praise God, yeah? Then they asked him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he answered, I've told you already and you do not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples as well? Then they hurled insults at him and said, You are this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. Verse 29. We know that God spoke to Moses. But as for this fellow... We don't even know where he comes from. And the man answered, now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he couldn't do anything. So to this they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth, how dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. In the NIV, the next section is subheaded subheaded spiritual blindness. So in verse 35 it says, Jesus heard that they'd thrown him out. And so when he found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? And the once blind man says who is he tell me so that I may believe in him and Jesus said you've now seen him in fact he's the one speaking with you what a moment eh then the man said Lord I believe and he worshipped him so the gospel narrative says and immediately he worshipped Jesus isn't that cool Verse 39, Jesus said, for judgment I have come into this world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. And there were some Pharisees who were with him, heard him say this. And they asked, are we blind too? And Jesus said, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, Your guilt remains. Thanks team. I'll take over from here. Such efficient workers, aren't they? Love, love what you bring every week. We sometimes miss acknowledging the good work that you guys do. There's an outline. Of what we will talk about from that scripture reading. Jesus encounters a man blind from birth. So that's important in the context. There is an encounter, there is a meeting. His disciples ask Jesus, the disciples of Jesus ask him if he was blind because of his sin or his parents. And that's interesting because the context of the theological understanding of the day was. Sin obviously brought uh, those incapacities. Disability came because of sin. That was a, a construct that they'd created. Jesus gets personal by mixing dirt from the ground with his own saliva, his own spittle. And Jesus sends the man to bathe in the pool of Siloam. He went and asked... Uh, and he could see. The man returns and testifies to the miracle of sight. So Jesus is the healer in this account. The Pharisees weren't excited about anybody getting healed. That took their power and authority away. It's interesting that their focus was on trying to pin something on Jesus and miss the fact that there's a man who'd been blind all his life who could now see. He could suddenly see. He'd never seen before. So life for him was very different now and it seems like the Pharisees completely overlooked that. Colour was all around him and he's faced with a barrage of questions from unbelieving religious leaders. Confused a lot, yeah? Yeah? These religious leaders used the fact that Jesus healed on the Sabbath to try to have him removed, get rid of the Jesus threat to their lifestyle and their authority of the time. As we'll soon see, we shouldn't actually be too quick to knock everything the Pharisees are doing here. Uh, Again, it's important that we collect from the whole passage And what we know of the construct of living of that time. Uh, The Pharisees question this once blind man with newly opened eyes at length, and they question his parents. Probably one of the many courtyard courts, an inquisition of sorts. And all because they're trying to find a way to discredit God's hand in the healing. That's how the world rolls. That's so much the same today. Uh, Just think how easy it would have been for the Pharisees to acknowledge Jesus and give glory to God. Today we have our sport and our writers getting a whole bunch of attention. The New Testament would have looked very, very different if the Pharisees had behaved as Christian of the time. Amen. But the gospel narrative and the book of Acts is as it is because of the behaviour of the people of the time. And that same attitude of uh, refusal to accept the deity of Jesus continues today. Some things haven't changed, yeah? In the last part of this passage, Jesus speaks to the Pharisees and reveals their sinfulness... Their eyes are also opened, but they don't see. In essence, they refuse to see what is obvious. There's a lot going on in the passage, so we'll only focus on a couple of verses. Right at the beginning, we read in verse 2, Jesus is asked whose sins caused the blindness, his or his parents? And we should know that this was the common theology the common thinking of the day was that afflictions like blindness and deafness were brought about by sin, somebody's sin. So who sinned is what they're asking. And the thinking was blindness didn't just happen. So try and stay with me as we work through this. But I find this so interesting. Uh, The detail in the scriptures is so interesting. Because if he's born blind... He couldn't possibly have sinned to cause that blindness in the womb, yeah? So it's an interesting question. Jesus responds clearly in verse 3. And we come to understand that the blindness was not the result of any sins. Not his parents and not him. It just happened like many other illnesses and birth issues. So the works of God would be noticed on that day. We taught uh, we sang about miracle-working God, didn't we? Why are some people more science-based than others? And then other people more people-oriented? That's not to say science-based people can't be people-oriented because some have high giftedness in all areas, it seems, yeah? And here's a question. Why are you smarter than me? Because difference makes our world go round, doesn't it? The other way of explaining difference is uniqueness, isn't it? We're all unique for purpose. God has a purpose for it all. And in verse 6, Jesus bends down, picks up mud made by his own spittle and anoints this man. It's a physical interaction. There's an encounter and it's on the dirt. Jesus is the healer. He touches the blind man's eyes. Essentially, he puts mud in his eyes. And the man didn't do anything to deserve being blind. But God made something beautiful happen that day. And he's in the business of making beautiful things happen every day. In verse 3, it confirms the blindness allows for the works and the power of God. And so it was that Jesus healed him. And you'd think that might be the end of the story. That everyone would be happy that the man could see. And they'd all settle back and enjoy their Sabbath. But no, that isn't what happens As the formerly blind man is heading back from the pool of Siloam, uh, where he'd washed, people see him and they start to talk. And eventually the word gets around to the Pharisees and they begin to talk too. And I have a friend I want to talk to you about that I met when I went to pastor in Cairns. My friend has cerebral palsy. We're still in contact Uh, regularly on Facebook. He's never walked and he's never spoken as we would. He's an amazing, absolutely amazing inspiration to everybody who knows him. His school teachers, constantly amazed. When he came to church, What an inspiration, every time we'd sing a song that he recognised and particularly his favourite songs, you'd hear his voice above others crying out, singing in the way that he communicated, ah and singing a worship to the Lord and whenever I talked about the cross of Jesus he would cry audibly cry, you see Uniqueness has purpose for all. People knew that he knew God. Awesome, faithful parents. And over the years, I have come to believe that an individual's sin does not cause sickness or disablement. There is sin in our world, it happened really early in human history. You remember the story of in the garden. And we live in a fallen state because sin came into our world. And we have a need to be lifted up and rescued. Every one of us needs a blindness into light experience. Amen? However, I also believe that we can be burdened with guilt, we can suffer remorse. And we can bring on various kinds of illness. Think about how hard it is to get the correct amount of sleep if you're carrying guilt and sin. If you're distracted or disillusioned by something, how it affects your eating habits, how it robs you of good sleep. Have you known someone or maybe yourself even trapped into eating and snacking, trying to feel better or to keep your mind off something that you really want to forget? So it's true... That our habits can bring about illness. We call that maybe guilty conscience or guilty pleasures. Those are consequences of behavioural choice and living with difficult circumstances. But that's not what happened here in the passage. This man was born blind and Jesus had healed him and now people are talking and their talk is not amazement that a miracle had been performed or excitement that a man who was blind all his life could now see. So sad and it's right here in the passage that their talk was of outrage that this man was healed on the Sabbath, that the works of God might be seen on the Sabbath This was when people were not supposed to do anything at all, least of all working. And today you can walk through the old city of Jerusalem, through the Armenian quarter, through the Islamic quarter, through the Christian quarter, and there's four, so there's one left. In those three, it's business as normal today. Bustling, lots of people around but go into the Jewish quarter on the Sabbath and there's no one around. Shops are closed. So it's the quickest way to travel. So I want us to be clear on this business of working on the Sabbath. I want you to realise that the Pharisees are quoting the law as it appears in Exodus. Remember I said, let's not be too quick to judge the Pharisees. Chapter 31 of Exodus. So let's go there. Say to the people of Israel, you shall keep the Sabbath because it's holy for you. Everyone who profanes it shall be put to death. Whoever does not work on it, does any work on it, that soul shall be cut off off from among his people. And just in case you didn't get the first time, uh, the next verse appears, The seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest. Holy to the Lord, whoever does any work on the Sabbath shall be put to death. Therefore, the people of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath, throughout their generations as a perpetual covenant, as a lasting covenant. This is to be a lasting covenant law. So the Pharisees actually are not relying upon local customs or handed down tales or Chinese whispers. They're not making this up or falling back on their own opinions or secular laws. And they are not calling upon laws that may have applied once and are no longer valid in the contemporary first century Israel. It's right there in black and white for anyone to read and God uses this word uh, perpetual or lasting in verse 16 a covenant that continues so we're not excusing them but we need to call it for what it is yeah and the understanding of the context that's happening in this interaction is actually uh, it kind of fills out the miracle that occurs here 's my statement. they were on solid theological ground when they called in the blind man and asked him what happened on the Sabbath. The long and the short of it is the man used to be blind and is not anymore, and anyone who can heal blindness must be a prophet sent by God and the Pharisees had centuries of law on their side when they said that and and they dealt with this stuff every day so when jesus did not keep the Sabbath in their context they deduced that he was a sinner he couldn't be that prophet from God that was their position which in one sense is understandable when when you study it and when you understand it a little bit in in the context of the day what they're doing is understandable However, they missed the fact that this was Jesus who was sent by God and who, in fact, was the Messiah. They missed that. And if their eyes had been opened, if their ears had been open, if they had ears to hear, they should have heard. And they should have acknowledged what was actually happening because they, along with keeping the law, were waiting for the Messiah. Yeah? And here was the Messiah introducing the fullness of God's love within the lasting laws of God. Ouch. The blind man has nothing to lose. So he just responds pretty objectively as well. And after all this verbatim, and after his parents get involved, and they kind of flick the switch straight back to him, The blind man says in verse 25, and I'll paraphrase a little, hey look, uh, maybe this fella is a sinner, I don't know. But what I do know is that I've been hanging around you non-sinners all my life and none of you ever healed my blindness. None of you even knew that I existed. You came into this courtyard every day... And you never saw me. So, who am I going to believe? You or the man who has made me to see? I was blind, but now I can see. Here's my summary this man's been blind from birth, and now he can see. Pretty simple, yeah? Something's gone down. Something that revealed the works and the power of God. Jesus is healer. And one of his first interactions is with these Pharisees. And I love how he begins teaching them in the latter part of the passage. You've got the blind man who actually starts teaching the Pharisees about the simplicity of the works of God. And you've got Jesus who interacts and never gets strapped, does he? Always has the right thing to say. But with the, they kind of know how to deal with the blind man because their answer is, who do you think you are trying to teach us? And they toss him out. Sad that they had that power. Notice that sometimes when sin gets, and the entanglement of sin is around, that people just go to refusal straight away. Notice that? Maybe deep down they knew what was going on. Maybe the entanglement of sin for the Pharisees, even though they're keeping the law, uh, maybe they do know that Jesus has really got something here and they just go to refusal, because no way, we're giving up our rights. Now that's, none of that's written in the text, but my understanding of life and interaction with people would say, maybe that doesn't even have to be written. We as people know how people act and respond. And then Jesus shows up again in verse 35 and asks the former blind man if he believes in the Son of Man. Oh, God, this is beautiful. And he says, Yes, I know, I do. But who is he? And there's this awesome interaction between Jesus and a new believer. In verses 35 to 38, Jesus reveals himself to the man as the son of God and the man believes and worships him. There's no confusion for the blind man who can now see. It's good and simple for him. But the Pharisees, some of them are nearby. And in verse 39, Jesus says, For judgment I came into the world, and those who do not see may see, so that, And that those who see may become blind. And they say to Jesus in verse 40, so are we blind then? And before all of us answer together and say something like, you're absolutely blind, how blind can you get? Another, just quick look. The scriptures were explicit that anyone who worked on the Sabbath was to be put to death along with the blasphemers, the murderers, the adulterers, the performers of other abominations against the Lord. And the Pharisees weren't blind. In fact, when it came to the law, their vision was 2020. And in that light, or shall I say their light, they saw only another sinner and saw only the evil of a man who broke God's holy laws. They were not looking beyond what they had created as safe space. And here's the difference. The blind man saw with the light that God gave to him. Did you get that? He saw with a newness. The miracle that was a blind man having his eyes opened up gave him spiritual sight gave him recognition of truth. He saw someone who cared for him, who healed him. He saw Jesus the healer, who loved him, and in the end saved him not only from his blindness, but from sin and death as well. Isn't that beautiful? Wow. Just let your emotions wash with that. That is amazing. And may I kind of take some license and say, that's the miracle in the story. His eyes being opened, his spiritual eyes being opened. That's the miracle in the story. After a life of darkness, he saw the light, not because of the dozens who quoted the law, but because of the one who healed his blindness. Jesus is interacting in our world. He's interacting on your street. He interacts at your local shopping centre. Jesus is always picking up mud and putting it in people's eyes. Always. But as spectators of the good things that God is doing, how are we interacting with them? Good question. That's why it's said, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give you light. We get to the end of the reading in verse 40. Some of the Pharisees have overheard the second conversation between the blind man and Jesus. And Jesus addresses these Pharisees. You have to love how Jesus is always ready with an answer. He says, if you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say, we see, therefore your sin or your guilt remains. And I think we understand this to reference spiritual sight and spiritual blindness. These Pharisees claim to see but continue in darkness. I ask the band to come up if you could please. The healing of spiritual blindness comes only with the knowledge or the admission that One is blind in the spirit. We can't have new sight if we think we're seeing already. We have to submit to the fact that God alone enables us to see. The songwriter of the famous hymn pens, I once was blind and you finished, but now I see. That person actually stayed blind physically, but spiritually their eyes were opened. When we encounter someone who refuses to believe the gospel truth, essentially we encounter a spiritually blind person. You only seek healing when you know you need healing. And if we're able in any way to lead them to the truth and a desire to seek more truth... Then we've witnessed the blind gaining spiritual sight. Can I ask us to stand? And I'm going to put a prayer up. I hope you can see it. And I'd love us just to pray together. And then we're going to sing about the goodness of God. Here's the prayer. And uh, if you're willing, let's speak it out together. Almighty God, we pray that you will prepare us to be always ready to share the truth of your gospel so that we might be better prepared to lead someone from spiritual blindness to spiritual sight. In Jesus' name, amen. May God bless you.